Welcome back to another podcast from A Passion for Life. My name is Craig Dyer and today I'm greatly looking forward to being in conversation with Nay Dawson. Nay is the European Training Coordinator for IFES, the International Fellowship of Evangelical Students, and also founder of Passion for Evangelism, a ministry that seeks to raise up women for the work of public evangelism. Nay is married to John and they're blessed with two little girls. Welcome, Nay. Thank you for joining me today. How's life with you? Yeah, thank you, Craig. Um, Well, it's sunny down here in Southampton. Um, Kids are back at school, so that's good. Yeah, Um, yeah, probably same as most people listening. Life has its ups and downs. Um, Absolutely. Well, it's great to have you with us. And you're just not long back from a little holiday in the Isle of Wight. How did that go? Um, yeah, it was very interesting. So we're in the beautiful Benbridge, lovely, lovely place, you know, desperate for a holiday. Um, but it went a bit wrong. My daughter broke her leg. We oh, had a, a car tire that burst and then my other daughter's struggling with mental health. Oh. So, you know, I realised holidays are overrated and that it's all oh, about coming back goodness. home and having family and friends around. So whoever is listening today, whatever load they're carrying, whatever burdens they're bearing, they're listening to someone who's in the fire of affliction and yet continuing to trust and serve the Lord. We're really glad to have you uh, with us, Nay. Now, we've been thinking, obviously, about a family holiday and and your little ones as they grow. What was life like for you as you grew up? Was it Oxfordshire, Kidlington? Um, What what was that like for you in your your early days? Yeah, thank you. So I was born in Devon and then we moved up to Oxford when I was about seven. And um, at that time, had loving family, went to our local church. Uh, My dad had become a Christian when my eldest brother was born. Um, But sadly, my mum and dad were having problems and my dad had an affair with mum's best friend. And they left the family, left our church. And it was a pretty difficult time. Um, Our church, our our family had entirely stopped going to church for a year or so before he left. Um, So I think we had fairly difficult childhood, um, single parent mum, no money at all, pretty difficult um, relationships within the family. So yeah, life life was hard as a yeah. as a young child. It certainly sounds like a lot of pain. Um, the kind of thing calculated to really uh, send send families and people uh, completely uh, off the rocks, as it were. And yet, that was the season the Lord used in your life to to bring you to know Him. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. So the night the dad left, our pastor and his wife came round to our house. And he cared for my mum and his wife looked after us. And it was a real moment of my mum coming back to God. And then for me, in my you know deepest, darkest needs, hearing God say, I am your father and uh, inviting me to come to know him, not not just out of a need, but out of um, the reality of who he is as a as a God that loves and cares in a fatherly way. So it was significant for me and my mum at that time in terms of our walk with God, even as a young child. Mm. And the Lord obviously showed his fatherly love, convinced you, as it were, as as a young girl, of his fatherly love towards you and his ability to provide for you and care for you and nurture you. And and it sounds like did that through the local church. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they the, the people at Killington Baptist Church were just amazing. They were committed to the core, to the Bible and understanding that to be a Christian is to love your neighbour. And they loved us really, really well. They... Um, 
provided for us as a family for care. They helped us financially. They were committed to my growth as a Christian and sent me on summer camps. Um, mm. So they they were just amazing, really, and showed me uh, more about what it meant to be a Christian, the kind of God um, who who creates us as people that love. Yeah, amazing. I, I'm I'm wondering if these folks at the time felt as if they weren't doing very much and there was so much they could do and so little they could do and so on. And yet it's amazing, isn't it, to for, for all of us as, as we think about these things and maybe folks listening to this today, that you can still decades later remember these kindnesses, remember singular things that they did in the name of the Lord. It's a huge encouragement to us all mm. uh, just to be thinking about, not to be paralyzed by, this is such a need, there's nothing I can do, but well, I can't do everything, but there are things we can do uh, in, in God's name. That is that is glorious. So you came to trust the Lord early in life. Was that a good experience or a tough experience in, in school and so on? Yeah, so I mean, very much it was my mum and dad that led me to know Jesus. And um, as a child, I, I grew in that understanding. Um, as a teenager, uh, I was the only known Christian in my school, School of 2000. And um, because of the support really of our church and because they sent me on these crusader camps, I got to know other Christians, um, not in my hometown, but in other places. And that yeah. gave me the courage just to be bold and brave as a Christian where I lived. Um, in fact, I used to go on these evangelism training days with Michael Green. I was the only oh, woman wow. and, the, and the youngest person by about 20 years. But what it, <laughs> what it meant is I just um, had a fearlessness in the way I loved my friends. So at secondary school, I set up a Christian union and welcomed loads of friends and others to come along to that each week. I wrote to the head teacher and asked if I could run assemblies for the school. And so wow. I'd get my non-Christian friends to act in dramas and then I would give an evangelistic talk at the end. So I was really inspired to to live um, my Christian faith out within my school. And it was, it was wonderful to see the impact of that on my friends. And thrilling to just to hear you describe how from, uh, as we talked about, that the, the pain your family had gone through, that sense of God convincing you he's, he's your father, he's with you, the Lord Jesus is your elder brother, the Holy Spirit's within your life, and you really took that at face value and, and lived in the light of that. And was that a fruitful season in terms of engaging with your, your friends? Yeah, I mean, certainly they knew that if they wanted to talk about God, they'd just come and talk to me. Um, you know, particularly in the, you know, sixth form and older years in secondary school, I have many, many chats with friends about Jesus. I saw friends come to know Jesus and change their lives because of it. Um, and then lots more came along, heard what I was saying, and who knows, you know, decades to come, I'm sure they'll get Amazing. in touch. Um, yeah. Yeah, the stories are not complete yet. Absol absolutely right. Was there much Christian fellowship for you at that, that series season in your life, Nay. Yeah, not really. So there were two boys in my youth group at church, but we were very, very different. We didn't get on so well. So I was completely isolated, really, as a Christian. Um, I did work in a coffee shop in Oxford in my like older teenage years, and that was attached to St. Aldate's Church. And again, it was just the beginnings of me beginning to see Christians just slightly older who love Jesus. And that was uh, really warming towards me, actually, as I thought about life beyond school. So by the time you went to university, um, it, it must have been a joy to get involved with the Christian Union and so on. 
Yeah, it was brilliant. I, I went to Plymouth Uni and absolutely loved it. And meeting Christians my own age, just with a breath of fresh air, um, it, was, it was wonderful, really good time. And what did you study at Plymouth? Yeah, so I studied um, biological sciences. Um, I had a great time. I was born in Plymouth, so it was like going home. The wow. kind of people that were there were just very relaxed, laid back. We really enjoyed the sea and the moors and making the most of our weekends. But also um, the Christian Union was just really special and radiant because um, there were lots of Christians from other churches, but together we were united in mission and we were friends. We were a community and it was amazing to see how God worked through that, actually. Both my husband and I saw lots of our friends come to know Jesus in that time. Many more heard about Christ and got a chance to ask questions for themselves. So, yeah, it was brilliant, really. And was that when you met John? Did you meet it at Plymouth? Yes, I was a third year and he was a first year. Um, so it took a little while for us to get together. <laughs> but we, we both did biology. We met, we met at the CU and at our church. So, yeah. Fantastic. So, so and you mentioned there, along with the CU, you were also involved in a local church in, in Plymouth. Is that right? Yeah, we were part of a plant church from Mutley Baptist Church in this really rough council estate in Plymouth. So it's a bit of an unusual choice for students to choose. Um, but it showed us what it really meant to be a Christian in a, in a community and to um, share the gospel with your lives and with your message. So um, it was a very different experience to what I'd grown up with, but Really grateful to Nathan Fisher and the way he led that church for us. Mm. Remarkable. And so you and John married immediately after university? Um, it was a couple of years. I came to Southampton to work for UCCF. He um, finished off his uh, degree and then came here for a PhD and we got married. So, yeah. Wonderful. Amazing. So then that that leads us on to you, you, you actually went from just being someone who really loved UCCF and the Christian Union experience to actually going on staff team and being involved in that. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so after uni, I spent a year um, in Plymouth doing their volunteer scheme called Relay. And that was a great chance to be discipled and trained. And then I moved to Southampton to be a part-time staff worker. I was also part-time barmaid and lab technician. Um, <laughs> so it was quite an intense time, but it was really great learning how to support the CU leaders, how to train them in evangelism, how to encourage them to see them flourish. So, yeah, I, it's, I've been very privileged to work for UCCF for so many years to be a staff worker, then a team leader. And then my final job was to um, help with the Uncover project. So mm. writing the final Uncover mark with my husband and being involved in seeing students across the world really um, excited about introducing their friends to Jesus through the Gospels. Uncover has been an enormous blessing, uh, as a, a tremendous gospel resource. And it's great to hear about you and John's involvement in the in the development of that. Tell us a little bit about that. What was the what was the um, passion? What was the desire behind it? How did you go about that? Yeah, we we really wanted to create something that anybody could use with their friends, 
So I'm imagining you're chatting with a friend and, you know, after maybe years and years of friendship, they, they ask you some questions about your faith and you get the opportunity to say, look, have you ever sat down and thought about who Jesus is, learn a bit more about him? Or, or maybe that topic is interesting. Have you ever wondered what God says about that? And so we wanted to create something that you would give to a friend that was beautiful, that conveyed the message of the good news of Jesus and the way it looked, as well as the content of the words. And so with Uncover Mark, we got Kieran Dodds to take some wonderful photography. Um, and with those photos, we wanted people to just begin to think about um, one of the big subjects that is um, shown through the Gospels and then explore that through photos, through good questions, through Bible study and really leave people wanting more, leave them curious about the person of Jesus and the difference um, he makes in our lives. So we've created this beautiful um, Uncover Mark to be given to a friend, to be read with a friend um, so yeah, it's been wonderful to see how God has really blessed these three projects and many people have come to know him through through looking at the person of Jesus. Yeah, oh, it's glorious. Uh, and anything that helps us get into the word and, and, and help people into that is just an immense blessing. And we're so thrilled and so thankful for, um, as you say, the, the Uncover uh, project. So uh, all these years with IFES, uh, sorry, all these years with UCCF, and then a move to IFES, the International Fellowship of Evangelical Students. What what gave rise to that transfer for you? Yeah, thank you. So um, I became increasingly aware that um, in public evangelism, so you know, imagine a mission with a talk or a Christianity Explored course or something, mm -hmm. looking around, um, particularly in the circles that I was in, there were very few women public evangelists. And um, I wanted to do something about that. So um, I started reading lots and, and thinking lots and talking to others and realised that I needed to give specific time to this in order to bring some change and ask the big questions, why are there so, female, so few female public evangelists? What can we do to encourage women to flourish in this gift? Um, so I decided that I wanted to focus on that and an opening became available within the IFES team for somebody to have a look at raising up female evangelists across Europe. So that's predominantly what I'm doing. There's other things as well, part of my job, but that's my main passion. That's a, a very exciting thing. I, I always feel sorry for Yodia and Sintiki. Uh, whatever was going on in, in Philippians 4, we don't, we don't really know the detail of it, but what is crystal clear, isn't it? that they were beloved of Paul. He said that these, he talked about those who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with uh, Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. So here was a tremendously precious team of men and women raised up, gifted, godly, able, being presumably trained on the job by Paul. That's obviously a, a passion that you have uh, to see this happen. So it's it's not quite a Christian form of women's lib then? No, not quite. Um, <laughs> we're just really passionate that we're made in God's image. Men and women yeah. are made in God's image and we're made to relate well together and that the brother-sister relationship is really important 
when thinking about ministry, um, public evangelism. And so what we want to do is to give women confidence, to encourage them, to equip and train them so that they can go out and serve alongside men in their local church. So we run um, a mentoring scheme called The Greenhouse. And this uh, this term, we did it on short evangelistic videos. So we had 12 women join the scheme over a period of five weeks, they received training, uh, but also in small groups, each of them created a short evangelistic video. I did one myself. And then on Easter weekend, we all posted them on our social media, um, had feedback, encouragement. And what we really want to do is to help women see that, um, you know, we're not just these raging feminists who, who want to have a life without men. We want to encourage <laughs> women to serve alongside men because as we do that, it communicates something about God himself that men and women can work together, show something of the God that we love and believe in. So we're passionate about working alongside men, but also recognising the lack of female public evangelists and maybe just how they might just need a little bit more to get going than um, maybe some of our male friends. Yes. And and therefore, pastors, elders listening to this, I guess your appeal would be, Brothers, please have your eyes opened for these gifted, godly women who, who who have a passion to articulate the Christian faith and then connect with you in some way for training and for encouragement. Yeah, I mean, stats show that women are far less likely to offer themselves for a project that they want to get involved in than men are. And so what we would love for you as pastors to do is just to put a notice out there, any women out there that would like to grow as an evangelist, get in touch Because I find that as you do that, sometimes really surprising women come forwards. Um, And then once you've got those women, send them to us. Um, We've got a Facebook network of 700 women who have just found us themselves. um, And we're seeking to grow women, equip them to serve in their local church. Um, So I would say don't just look out for those that are obvious. Mm. I would put the message out there because women are great storytellers. They're great natural evangelists, and some of those could also become phenomenal public evangelists too. Mm, amazing. And how does how do we connect with Passion for Evangelism? Is it through Facebook mostly, or is there a website? Or Yeah, so we've got a, a closed um, Facebook group that women can join at PFE Women. You can also find our website. I'm sure we'll put the details on the end. Um, mm. But yeah, also yeah. you can just follow us on all social media. Really interesting uh, to hear about that, Nay. Now, you're also known to have given a lot of thought to how we build authentic gospel relationships in our communities. How have you gone about that yourself? Yeah, thank you. So I think um, the impact of COVID-19 on local community has been huge. So for many of us in lockdown, the only thing we could do is go out on a Thursday night and clap and wave to our (laughs) neighbours. And I think the consequence of that is that for many people, they have got closer to those who live on their streets. Um, But also there's been this huge desire for relationship. And in that vacuum where there's been a lack of community, people have just needed friendship more than ever before. And so we, as um, a Christian house, uh, we see ourselves as a house of light on our street, have just been trying in multiple ways to 
build community because I I believe that um, God in himself, Father, Son and Spirit is the ultimate reason for community. Mm-hmm. And because of that belief, I then believe as we build community, we're offering something of God to people. And it's amazing as we've done that, people have literally stopped me and said, nay, why do you build community so much why do you believe in this and i've been able to say it's because of god it's because of who he is father son and spirit um that i believe in community so that's the great driver behind all all these aims and just as you were speaking there the old phrase came to my mind that you never miss the water until the well runs dry and i wonder had we begun to despise community with our sort of hermetically sealed lives um and and is there now a realization of how much how precious it is to have neighbors to have friends to have someone you can phone to have someone who's interested in you uh, do you think there is a bit of a resurgence of community in general yeah i mean definitely where where we live i've seen that so many friends have said exactly that um i mean maybe it's the kind of city we're in but I think a lot of people have rediscovered yeah. some of the basic things about life that are good, friendship, community, serving others, which is a wonderful opportunity for Christians just to get on board. And actually, as we've... So I set up a Facebook page called Bitten Part Family Fun, which is where we run lots of trails from and family events during lockdown. People are just so grateful to me. They just keep on writing, saying, thanks so much for building this community. I mean, it's the simplest thing that any Christian could do in any town across the UK. And um, people are just incredibly grateful for a sense of purpose and hope working together as a team. So, yeah, I, I totally agree. So tell us tell us a little bit just about the practicalities of that. You're saying that, you know, anybody could do it. Any gospel church who wanted to have a mission culture could think, right, What do, how, how can we make a really positive contribution to our community? Where did you start? Yeah, so, um, I mean, a couple of things. One, I think it's really important to remember that the whole of life is worship. And so everything we do has value and importance. Mm. So um, one very specific example to me is that I love swimming. And for years I've been putting on Facebook, who wants to swim in our local river with me? And every time I do it, I get responses like, I'd only throw my dog in there. Or, <laughs> you know, you go in the itch and you come out scratching. So I've just had hassle for a couple of years, but this year... Interestingly, in a pandemic, when all the swimming pools are closed and everyone's desperate just to see people, Mm. one friend said, yeah, I'd love to. And then another friend of a friend said, oh, I'd love to. And so back in May last year, we set up the Kingfisher River Swimming Club. And now there's nearly 40 people that are part of it. And we swim every single day. We've got a WhatsApp group that we communicate on. We've got a Facebook page that is like our shop window that people contact us through. And it is an incredible community of people. So if you're sporty or you've got a hobby of some sort, it would be so easy to make a Facebook group or a page and invite others to join you. Um, The other thing, because we're a young family, we set up Bits and Part Family Fun. And through that Facebook page, we've been running trails. So like a Christmas trail, a Lego trail at half term, a fairy door trail. What do you mean by a trail? What do you mean by a trail? Yeah, okay. So it first started with Halloween. I never have celebrated Halloween in my life. And I prayed in the autumn, God, how can I serve and love my community in a pandemic? And I heard him say to me, Nay, where do you think you shouldn't be? And I knew the answer was Halloween because it's big in our area, bigger than Christmas. 
So I invited two friends to my house for coffee who weren't Christians and who love Halloween. And I said, would you run a Halloween trail? And they said, this is a brilliant idea, but we can't organise anything. You're going to have to do it, Nay. So from never celebrating Halloween, I went to organising a trail. So we had 25 houses, each decorated their house. Now, obviously, this is a problem for us as a Christian family because <laughs> we don't celebrate Halloween. Yeah. So I sat down with the kids and John and we said, what are we going to do? And we came up with the idea that we would be a house of light. And so we bought these incredible festoon lights. We, um, inspired by Glenn Scrivener's excellent Halloween yeah. movie, we decorated all these pumpkins as funny pumpkins because we were laughing at darkness. That's what Glenn tells us to do. So we had these funny pumpkins all over our garden. And then I wrote a short, um, curious story about the person of Jesus um, and it was about a superhero and we printed these stories we put them in bags with glow sticks and sweets and we gave out nearly 600 on the Halloween weekend and so this trail was literally we had a map you would go around and look at the houses and you'd maybe fill in a little clue Um, and it all started from there really we had thousands of people go on this trail and Uh, No other Christians joined in. They all said, nay, sorry, we just can't take part in this. But what was interesting is they said, if you do a nativity Christmas trail, I'll join you. So I then set up a Christmas trail and um, we divided up the Christmas story into 25 pieces. We advertised for people to have a house on the trail map. We had nearly 40 people apply. Most of them weren't Christians. And in the group, as we were discussing it, we gave them all a little bit of scripture. So we had all these friends that aren't Christians saying, nay, what does glory mean? I don't get this. What's Bethlehem? (laughs) And so they had to read this piece of scripture and then decorate their front garden according to the bit of scripture. And then kids would just wander around, look at the houses. Again, I wrote another curious story about Lucy and the bird. And it was about the incarnation. And we gave out hundreds of packs again. Um, So I'm not saying copy me. I'm saying be yourself, whether that's river swimming or community trails. Be whoever you are. But Facebook is brilliant for advertising to your community. They do it for you. You don't even have to pay. And you'll make friends and connections through that. And I guess the 40 who subscribed to be involved in the Christmas trail came off the back of the Halloween trail. That was the point, really. Yeah, yeah. It was the community built there that that, that gave you then the, the, uh, the grounds to move it on at Christmas. Yeah, and I think for me, actually, it's important. So Bit and Part Family Fun is not a Christian thing. It's not run by a church. It's run by Nay, mm-hmm. who is a Christian in the community. And I invest deeply in our community. So we also ran a Lego trail at half term with no Christian content other than building, mm-hmm. you know, a good positive atmosphere. We ran a fairy door trail. So I do things that aren't purely just evangelistic, but I fully embrace the opportunities that Easter, Halloween and Christmas yeah. give me. Um, yeah. 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 So it's it's stuff that you're doing that is that doesn't require people to sign up to listening to a preacher, but they can just come along as a family, be involved in a good thing, and you just love them, get to know them, build the relationship, and I guess be praying that as the relationship develops, the gospel conversations eventually will, will come. Yeah, and they do. So one woman on the Christmas trail came to my house and said, I just need to tell you that I'm an atheist. She said, I just hope you don't mind me being on the trail. I really want to. I don't get what the word glory means. Um, So I said to her, why are you an atheist? Tell me your story. And we chatted for an hour on the doorstep in the middle of a pandemic about why she's an atheist. 
So Remarkable. yes, 100% the conversations come. And Easter, we did an Easter trail. We gave out um, 700 Easter craft packs. Mm. And that was, I did get Christians involved to help me with that. Um, but yeah, of, of course the conversations come and they flow. Remarkable. Um, now, what strikes me is that by the time this podcast goes out, we are thankfully emerging out of uh, COVID and, and all the associated restrictions. Um, and so things are changing again. I guess there's a danger that we go back to some of the kind of isolation and less neighbourly uh, environment that, 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 that has been good more recently. What would be your word to us in terms of maintaining and developing um, better community relationships in this season? Yeah, I think it's all about intentional friendships. So I read a really good book in the summer called Made for Friendship and it really convicted me that often my friendships are just based on ease and convenience. So, for example, up until now, I would go to the school gate, I'd have a 10-minute chat with someone, I'd feel like they were my friend and that would be it. But once that was stripped away... I really had to ask some big questions. Who are my friends? Who am I loving and serving? Am I being intentional? Am I praying for them? Or is it just based on ease and convenience? And I'm afraid to say it was. And so what lockdown has done for me is it has helped me be far more loving and intentional, keeping in touch with people. For me, again, being salt and light in the pandemic was to run daily Zoom calls for my kids' friends, we ran Zoom discos for their friends, but also I wanted to be slightly braver. And so I ran, ran drinks nights through Zoom, uh, through the pandemic. Um, every Thursday at half seven, I'd invite all of the mums from year four to come and join me for a drink and a chat. And that level of intentionality um, just really grew friendships in a way that was quite surprising in a pandemic. And so coming out of lockdown now, it's just so easy to go back to ease and convenience, but that's not mm. friendship. And so I feel challenged that we've lost the art of friendship and I want to pursue that, not with loads of people. You can only have a few good friends, but I want to pursue that in a way that maybe does take boldness and courage and fearlessness, um, mm -hmm. but it's far more committed and genuine than before. And I guess you're moving friendship for us there by that conversation. You're moving friendship away from what is in the relaxation zone where you have a few friends around and you, you know, have a, a nice meal and relax together. You're moving it into the core of life and you're saying this is going to be an everyday thing. This is going to be costly of time, maybe even costly of money on occasions. Um there's a vulnerability that comes with that. And that's a, from what you're saying, that's a price we ought to be absolutely willing to pay as we see the strategic end of it. Yeah, totally. I mean, at the moment, our eldest is struggling with mental health and anxiety, and it makes us quite fragile as a family and very vulnerable. And my husband said last night, nay, people admire you, but this level of vulnerability means they can get to know you. Mm -hmm. And so as we had our friend round to cut hair in the garden, and <laughs> I was honest about our life, she then began to be honest about her life. And so I think being far more vulnerable, needing people, as well as loving and serving them, just opens up the door mm. to actually talk about the bigger things of life. And amazing for people to see that although we are the children of the living God, we don't get a pass on the suffering of life. We don't, you know, the way he shows his love for us is not by saying, I'll make sure your kids aren't negatively impacted by COVID, but rather 
we go through what they go through. We face all the same pain and tragedy and suffering in this fallen world. And yet, in the midst of it all, we've got this hope of the gospel that 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 shines forth. And that is that is very striking. Yeah, um, absolutely. Now let's let's talk a little bit about not only the, the physical community, but the online community. Many churches have been using online platforms to to share the gospel recently. Certainly many more than would ever have thought so before. And you've given a lot of thought to how we build a sense of warm community online. I'd love to hear you saying something about that. Yeah, thank you. So it all started really back right at the start of the first lockdown. So we had our annual Passion for Evangelism mentoring and training conference the weekend that the travel ban came in. So we had three days to decide what to do. And up until that point, I had only used Zoom as a once a month call for five of my colleagues. And so we decided as a team overnight, we were going to put the conference online. We were going to use Zoom and give it a go. And we went from a conference of 100 women in the UK to 150 women from across the world. And it was just such a good event. It was so warm. It was so meaningful. We had live um, singing. We had live talks. We had lots of small discussion groups. And I came away feeling like I had experienced a really good time together with my friends and a good conference I'd learned and I'd received from God. And so at the same time, I persuaded my pastor, we're a church of about 120, to try church on Zoom um, rather than just doing a pre-recorded message. I felt quite strongly theologically that church has never just been a transmission of a message. Historically, it's always been the gathering of God's people. And so as I went from that understanding of the church to the theology rather than the other way around... I realised that Zoom was an excellent way to bring people together. And so that same weekend, uh, we held our first church service on Zoom, everything live, real time, gathering together. And it was just incredible. The reports of how people had found it were really moving. So a friend's mum, who is chronically ill, cannot leave the house, went to church for the first time in years and years and years. Um, A single mum who can't really leave the house for home group was able to go to home group for the first time in years. So I'm really passionate, not just about meeting online because it's all we can do in a pandemic. I'm passionate about it as a, a way of gathering God's people. I learned a lot from the disabled community who have been doing online church for decades. And I had lots of help from them on how to do it in relational ways. Um, But I'm really convinced that online should be here to stay because it makes everything so much more accessible. I'm Mm. also deeply committed to being back in person and have loved the last three weeks. (laughs) Oh, yeah, absolutely. We've We've got to get together as often as we can and enjoy that physicality. But... This is true that, that there is a substantial group of people out there for whom, um, especially evangelistically speaking, the physical meeting with the Christians in the hall or in the house or in the coffee shop is not going to be a big sale. For some it is, but for many it won't be. And therefore, this is a great opportunity. What would be your top two or three tips for us to warm our online evangelistic series? I mean, what's the best way to do that? 
Yeah, I mean, to say, first of all, I completely agree. So in Southampton, there were three Muslim women in lockdown who had been desperate to attend an alpha course at their local church. They'd not been allowed to leave their homes. So they secretly did this course on their laptops through lockdown. Mm. (laughs) Um, And I just think we really need to stop and consider those who are chronically ill, disabled, um, persecuted, single parents who, who could never access an evangelistic event or a church without online. Um, so making it warm, I think it's really important. First of all, you forget that about technology. Christians have a bit of an issue with technology. Embrace it as a gift from God, but forget it. And first of all, think about your vision. What do you want to achieve in this meeting? Once you're really clear on what you want to achieve, only then should you begin to think about where you're going to meet. So if you think about a venue in life for any of our meetings, venues are always a nudge to what the meeting is about. The venue mm-hmm. provides a script of not just the meeting, but the message behind the meeting. So you imagine a business room, a beach, a, a nightclub, they all say something of the meeting and what's going to happen. And I think there are so many ways that we could meet on social media technologies that first of all we need to work out what the vision is and only then work out where we're going to meet that will serve the purpose of the vision and if we go that way round, then already the meeting has been set up really well now when you say where when you say where are we where we're going to meet we're going to meet online it's going to be on the screen what do you mean by where we're going to meet. Yeah, so, um, for example, tonight I'm running a um, meeting. I'm a trustee for a charity. I'm running a meeting where people can come and meet the founder of the charity. Now, the options are we do a webinar where it's just me and him on the screen. Everyone else is blank. They can't unmute themselves. Um, What does that say to the guest there's kind of a hierarchy. Mm, I get you. Whereas actually what we want to do is we're inviting people to come and support us and raise money for the charity. We want to say, you're welcome, you're valuable, you're part of this. So I've intentionally chosen a Zoom room. Um, I've intentionally capped it so there's a maximum number and people will come in, they can all unmute, they can ask questions, they can share their story, they can be part of it. So it's not even just which like what you use, whether it's Zoom or, or live streaming or Facebook, it's how you do it within that. So, you know, you have a church meeting on YouTube or you have a church meeting on Zoom or a church meeting on Facebook Live. Each of those things will affect the meeting and um, impact how the meeting goes and will either create a level of relationality that you want or they'll squash it. <laughs> That's very helpful. Yeah. That gives us a whole new realm to think about as a as a reflect of what I've done in the last year. Uh, that is that's really great to hear. Um, nay, uh, another great colleague of yours from IFES, Lindsay Brown. I remember hearing him say years ago that the gospel is not only true, but it is beautiful. And you're obviously someone who's passionate about communicating uh, the good news of the Lord Jesus in ways that are biblically faithful, so we're getting the truth, but also culturally engaging so that it is beautiful, so that people find this news. It looks beautiful to them. And you do that in lots of ways. This gets us right to the heart of the purpose of the podcast on A Passion for Life. How do you strike and maintain that balance between biblical fidelity and the message being culturally engaging? Yeah, thanks, Craig. Um, I I think it's really important that we 
are engaging in culture and only really by doing that as a gift from God, as a way maybe even to know him, um, can we then relate what we know of God to our friends. And it's so important that Christians are, um, you know, loving their friends, serving them, getting to know uh, what they're interested in, getting to know the culture. And, and we find as a family, the more we do that, the more we invest in people, um, get to know them really well, it's then we have opportunities to share the gospel with them. Uh, and that's going to be unique and different for all of us. So whether that's my husband as a scientist, um, you know, spending time with his colleagues, getting to know them, or whether that's me with some of the local mums. Um, but we we really want um, we want to be able to communicate and to model what we see of the incarnation in Jesus in the way we view our evangelism. So if Jesus could give it all up and come to this world to live among us, to communicate something of himself and die for us, then that's a, an excellent model for us to follow in the way we live in, incarnationally with our friends and communicate mm. the gospel within communities, within con our own contexts. And again, this issue of, you know, Paul's model, we loved you so much, we shared with you not only the gospel, but our lives as well, because you become so dear to us. Um, it's such a key for that. Um, Nay, obviously, you're involved across Europe, you're involved across the UK and Ireland, um, you're, you're serving in so many capacities. As a wife and a mum, how does the gospel inform your life? What's your vision for your wee family, for your, your wee girls as you as you raise them there? Yeah, thank you. Um, I mean, really, John and I just want to love them. We want them to grow up knowing that they're loved. Um, we have a phrase in our family where I say to them, you are, and then they repeat loved. And then mm. they say it back to me. And ultimately, I think that's all we can do for them is to... Um, alongside friends, family in our church, bring mm. them up to to be loved um, and then to go into the world and to their class and to love others dearly. That's our our hope for them above all. That is glorious. And alongside uh, all your work with IFES and uh, PFE, it's also a joy to have you on this, the steering group of A Passion for Life. Um, just as we draw our con conversation to a close at this point what are your hopes for a passion for life nay yeah thank you i mean it's a real privilege to be part of a passion for life and i think in the uk and across the world we have this unique opportunity now to stop and to um, question really what church is all about and what mission is all about Never before have my friends been so open to the gospel and my community so open to be loved. And I think into that, we, the church, have an opportunity to love dearly and to speak clearly about Jesus Christ. But even better than that, it's not just my church, it's churches across the UK together. And I think A Passion for Life is brilliant because it draws Christians from all over the UK together um, and together we're serving in mission in our own context. Um, but by being together, um, I think we're uniting in a way that honours God and speaks of the goodness of God himself. But also um, because we're uniting together, there's just some brilliant resources that we can all access that we can individually create within our own churches. So I think Passion for Life is an absolute gift from God at this point in our history because 
all of the resources and everything's being written for now. Um, so it's with the pandemic in mind. It, it's with the state of our nation in mind. So I would say get involved, find out how you can access the resources and be part of, of what's going on. That's a brilliant way to draw this to a closed name. Many, many thanks for sharing with us today. No doubt there's a river nearby awaiting a visit from you this afternoon or maybe you've done it already. I don't know, but we really thank the Lord for you and for your ministry, for your um, all the ways that the Lord is investing in you and, and uh, you by the power of the Spirit in others. And we want to pray his continued blessing and protection upon you as a family and upon the work of IFES and uh, PFE and A Passion for Life. And thank you so much for listening. We hope that this has uh, encouraged you. We hope that it's maybe given you some ideas of ways to practically engage and develop a mission culture. And we, we'd love you to join us again on this little podcast from A Passion for Life. Please do check apassionforlife.org.uk for details. It's been lovely to have you with us. Lord bless. Bye for now. <laughs>